Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Last night, the uh, were three of the five Republican candidates for governor met up uh, at the Wake County Republican Party uh, debate. Mark Robinson was not there. Andy Wells was not there. However, Wells is there today at the debate that they are having right now, or maybe they've just maybe just wrapped up now. I think they started at lunch at Maggiano's, which was hilarious, by the way, watching people try to pronounce the name of that restaurant from outside of the market when they were covering <laughs> this story. Uh, yeah, I heard some interesting pronunciations of that uh, down in uh, South Park, Maggiano's. Um, they were, uh, the GOP was doing a, a lunch there and then a debate after the lunch. Last night it was a dinner with the debate after the dinner. So obviously I cannot watch the debate right now as it's occurring here in Charlotte. Maybe somebody will have video of it. I don't anticipate covering it tomorrow unless somebody says something completely you know crazy but um because i think they're probably going to stick to the same scripts here the issues are probably not going to change that much but you know me i'm a giver so if there is video of it i will go and watch it as well pull anything out that is of note and uh, bring it to you tomorrow my promise to you you're welcome so last night we had uh jesse thomas who is uh, uh some health insurance company CEO or something. Uh, and then you've got uh, former Congressman Mark Walker and the current North Carolina treasurer, Dale Falwell. And uh, I do have messages. I've gotten emails and, uh, uh, and tweets about this so far. I will get to them. I promise. Um, some of the comments though, made on the uh, criminal justice reform front. All right. We were getting into this in the last hour uh, end of the last hour, Jesse Thomas says that he is troubled by the skyrocketing crime in our communities, and he's like, the the, the penalties need to fit the crime. Um, he says there has to be a respect for the rule of law and that sort of thing. So Mark Walker then uh, steps up, his turn to answer the question, and he traces the disrespect for law enforcement back to Barack Obama. Do you remember what Obama did regarding a police officer from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Do you remember this story? I still do. Remember, Obama said that the cop acted stupidly. Remember that? The cop did not act stupidly. The cop did his job. The cop was a a Cambridge officer who was called to the scene of uh, potential home burglary because two individuals go up to the front door of a house. They cannot open the front door they begin trying to find a way into the house. They try to break into the house. A neighbor sees this. That neighbor calls police. The cop shows up. And in the process of finding out, figuring out what's going on, the uh, it is determined that the person who was trying to break in was, in fact, the homeowner who had lost his keys or left his keys inside the house or whatever. And that homeowner was none other than Lewis Skip Gates, the guy who does the DNA testing thing, the show on PBS where he sits down with all these, 
you know, famous people, and they, it, it turns out, like, Ben Affleck's got a bunch of, you know, slave traders in his history, and, yeah. And didn't he find one also, like, there were some slave owners in the history, back in the lineage of Angela Davis, I believe, like a Black Panther <laughs> leader. Anyway, um, that's the guy, Skip Gates. That's the guy who was breaking into his own house. He had come back from a trip, his driver I uh, picked him up at the airport or whatever and uh, was driving him back. And then they were trying to get in. I guess it was like his assistant or something with the guy driving. So they're trying to break into the house. So, of course, to skip gates and maybe he's a little jet lagged or whatever, but not not his best moment. And he starts berating the cop and accusing the cop of being racist because, of course, a black man wouldn't own a house this nice. I mean, they're in Cambridge, you know. That's that's where the the college is, right? And so, the right, or the university, sorry, that that's Harvard, right? So, I don't think that the cop was motivated by racism, but a rather a, a call from a neighbor, and you would think the neighbor might know. Now, maybe the neighbor's a racist, I don't know. But the the neighbor called, said, "Looks like somebody's trying to break into this house." By the way, I have a little bit of a personal history with this too, because. It was shortly after that occurred, because then remember they had the beer summit, because all the cop organizations got all upset, like the police, the unions and stuff got really mad at Obama, because they were like, the cop did nothing wrong. So then they had to do the beer summit, they had to bring them together, they hung out at the White House drinking a beer, and everybody was like, oh, this is so good for race relations. But what happened was, we, my wife and I, we got burglarized shortly after this. And as best we can tell, people showed up, probably young, not probably, young males showed up at our house. We were out of town. They broke into the house. The alarms went off and they fled. But because our neighbors, we had just moved into our house. We had not met our neighbors. um, And one of them saw the screen laying on the back uh, grass out behind the house. And they just thought that. Oh, Pete must be just doing some work or whatever on the on the window. Didn't think anything of it. But the intruders saw that uh, we did not put the screen back up. And so they came back the next morning. And they brought friends. And they stationed a person out front, a person out back. Two of them go in. They steal a bunch of our, well, my stuff. They took, they they only took my stuff. That's how I know that they were dudes, you know? Well, that, and of course, that we got eyewitness accounts because we had three different neighbors saw these people at our house and nobody called the police. One of them across the street thought that the guy on the front who was on his cell phone look, acting as a lookout, that he was, um, he, the neighbor thought that he was casing their house. He was like, oh, I was afraid he was looking at this, you know, car in the garage that I was working on. It was like a, an old vintage car. So, and then my other next door neighbor saw the, one of them jump the fence and go around the back of the house. And he followed them. He like watched them. He was upstairs. He looked out and he saw them. And then he saw them go through the side of between our houses where there's no gate. And he goes through and then he goes around. My neighbor runs to the back of the house, looks out the window, but then doesn't see anybody. And he And he's like, well, I didn't see him, and I thought maybe that was just you. This was a young black male, uh, and and I am not. (laughs) So, But my neighbor, who, by the way, is is black, he also got that sense that there's something wrong. 
and he didn't call police. The other neighbor, he saw the car take off and peel out. Oh, yeah, because they took all of our stuff, threw it in my wife's car, and then stole the car. So never hang your keys, by the way, in your in your house. Don't 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 hang your keys up because then they take the keys and they steal your car. Which, by the way, I found the next morning in the park behind our house. So they were local. They were local teenage males, right? Not that I'm assigning gender to anyone, but we recovered the car. We didn't find any of the other stuff, but we knew that these guys were local. And um, all of the neighbors afterwards, when we talked to all the neighbors afterwards, because when the cops show up, now, of course, everybody comes out, what happened? And then they all start telling their stories. Every one of them knew something was wrong, and every one of them suppressed the urge to call police. And one of them, who was white, said, what was I supposed to say that there was a black guy walking around in front of your house? That's what he said to me. I said, you didn't have to say it was a black guy. (laughs) You could have just said it was a guy. You just say somebody's walking around in front of the house. You don't have to give the race. But they were so worried about offending or, or ending up on a 911 call played in the media. They didn't want to be that person. So that's what Mark Walker is tracing this back to, this disrespect for law enforcement. He traces it back to that. I think he's actually on to something there. He says, this disrespect starts at the top in our government, in our culture, in our society, right? Um, he also said, though, he sh- that we should allow, we should change state law to allow retired law enforcement officers to work after they retire. If they want to go and, and pick up some shifts and do some extra you know, work with police agencies and stuff, they should be allowed to do that without losing access to their pension, he said. Apparently, that's a state law. I was not aware of that, but apparently, that's a state law. All right, so, yeah, uh, Melissa points out, yeah, the beer summit, <laughs> right? Um, and I had another message here regarding this. Yes, Joe, six-pack Joe Biden brought out the beer at the beer summit. Uh, Mark Walker is right. Obama played the race card before he had all the facts. And by the way, the officer sergeant said that the officer did everything right. And that sergeant was black. Yeah. The beer summit. The, yeah, the Cambridge, Massachusetts police officer doing his job. Skip Gates acts like a, a fool and uh, gets himself arrested and uh, while trying to break into his own house because the cop got called because someone was trying to break into his house. Which was true. Somebody was trying to break into his house. Him, right? Anyway, um, next up, Dale Falwell at the uh, at the candidates' debate last night asked about uh, what to do about rising crime rates and uh, the lack of uh, uh, you know rule of, uh, adherence to the rule of law. And Falwell says that the criminal justice system is broken from the top to the bottom. Our crime lab is a disgrace. The governor is one of their responsibilities is to have responsibility for the crime lab. The crime lab situation is an unfunded mandate on every property taxpayer sitting in this room. Because when someone is arrested and they're sitting in a county jail and they're not yet have gone through the state court system, that's an unfunded mandate on the property taxpayers of the local community. That is a great point. He's the only one I have heard make this point. The longer it takes to process lab work through the state crime lab, the longer that person has to stay in the county lockup. 
and that is a that's a cost to property taxpayers in the county. And Roy Cooper, who was supposed to have fixed all of the problems at the crime lab when he was attorney general, and then apparently didn't, and then was supposed to have fixed the problems when he was governor, and then apparently didn't, and then Josh Stein was supposed to have fixed all of the problems at the state crime lab when he's been attorney general, and I guess he hasn't still. But maybe he'll do it if he gets elected governor. What do you think? I don't know. Number two, the crime lab is also having people sit in jail too long. It's taking too long to get, and victims are suffering because of this. So my one of my top goals as your next governor is to fix the crime lab situation, just like I fixed the workers' comp situation, just like I fixed the unemployment situation. And look, he can he can brag because he did it, right? He did it. He fixed the um, the unemployment insurance situation, right? We owed so much money thanks to the Democrats when the Republicans took over, um, and when Pat McCrory got in there, we owed I think it was two billion dollars to the federal government because the Democrats, when they controlled the governor's mansion and the legislature, they ran. Uh, during the Great Recession, they ran uh, us into debt. We had to borrow money from the feds in order to pay out the unemployment insurance, which is paid for by businesses. It's insurance. It's not a government program. And so they had to, the, the state had to take loans from the feds in order to pay unemployment to people who, who got fired or, or got let go. And so... We owed them a whole bunch of money. We were paying interest on it. I think there was only like New York and California that were ahead of us in our uh, in the, the size of the debt that was owed to the feds. And Dale Falwell was brought in by Pat McCrory, if I recall correctly, and he was the one that that got the program aligned, got it paid back, and that meant that the insurance cost then for all the employers drops. It all goes down because now we don't owe any money. We're not paying it all back. We've already paid it back. So he, he, he can he can brag because he did it. He also then uh, on uh, uh, COVID, he went after Mandy Cohen. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here. And this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three day supply of food, water and medicines minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Let me read a couple of tweets here that I've received regarding the Republican candidates debate up at Wake County uh, Republican Party uh, event last night. Uh, they had one in Charlotte. It's probably now concluded or it's close to concluding. It was a lunchtime event. Same thing. Uh, same participants. Mark Robinson, lieutenant governor, front runner, not there. I don't agree with this strategy. I understand why front runners don't debate their opponents. I don't like it. I have no idea if he's going to be a good uh, debater against Josh Stein or Mike Morgan, for that matter, uh, whoever the Democrat is. Now, maybe the uh, uh, maybe the strategy is never debate again. I guess that's possible. And then we're going to get the candidates we deserve if we don't require candidates to debate. 
I disagreed with Ted Budd when he refused to debate. I disagree with any candidate that refuses to debate their opponent, particularly legitimate opponents. And Mark Walker and Dale Falwell, at least those two are, quote, legitimate opponents in a primary. Dale Falwell is the state treasurer. Mark Walker is a Cong- or was a congressman. They've won races. They are Republican Party legitimate candidates and elected officials. I don't know about the Jesse Thomas guy. Uh, Andy Wells is also, I would put him in there, he has run for lieutenant governor before. So he's a, he's a legitimate opponent as well. He should debate. Because I don't want to get in a situation where we see a, a debate between Stein and Robinson, and Robinson is completely unprepared. Part of the other benefit is that you get some of this stuff out of the way. Right. You address whatever, you know, issues or, you know, quote, scandals there are. You address it in your primary. And then when it comes out in the general again, you just say, we've already addressed that. This is old news. You know, move on. All right. So COVID. Next questions on COVID. How would each of these three candidates last night? Because Andy Wells was not at last night's. He had a, a, a schedule conflict, he said. But um, how would you manage the response to COVID? Falwell said one of his biggest frustrations with the, oh, no, hang on a second. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I said I was going to read messages. What am I doing? Oh, my gosh, Pete, real professional. All right. Gary says, Pete, I am not a registered GOP, but I don't support the Chamber of Commerce GOP. We have had that for decades. Uh, It has led to bowing to progressivism and the current moral decay. If they think Robinson is bigoted, they must think the Bible is bigoted. Uh, This is uh, uh, Gary's responding to a comment made by Jesse Thomas, who has said Mark Robinson is unelectable due to his uh, controversial and uh, bigoted comments, he said. Um, And another message here from Dave, who says, so far, my guy is Dale Falwell. He seems the most experienced with the people's money, the most level headed, and he doesn't seem like he has the politician ego. And he has the most common sense, it seems like. Uh, Jan points out that um, it's only a quote if you attribute the quote. I I always enjoy your show, even during half the time when you're outrageously wrong. I still enjoy it. Jan, I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) All right. Now, let me me go and get back to the uh, the audio because I'm going to play it all because I stayed up so late doing it, as you could probably tell, like I'm. Running on about four hours of sleep here. So we've got uh, COVID. Falwell said one of his biggest frustrations during the pandemic was uh, uh, with the Cooper administration was how the Council of State, which is the 10 elected statewide offices, you know, lieutenant governor, treasurer, labor commissioner, agriculture commissioners, uh, public instruction superintendent, right? All of these different statewide positions. There are 10 of them. They make up the Council of State. And he said one of his biggest frustrations with Cooper was how the Council of State did not meet during the pandemic. Number two, it took me five months to figure out who voted how to shut this economy down. I'm one of the ten votes. I could figure out how I voted. So I was just looking for whatever the roll call was on the other nine votes. So we will have a Council of State that is transparent, and we're going to follow Robert's rules of orders. Luke knows exactly what I'm talking about. So the people of this state will know what's going on, especially during periods of crisis like the pandemic. 
I mean, how could you possibly get through a pandemic when you don't get the Council of State together and ask the Agriculture Commissioner what's going on with the food supply? Right. Do you know what he would have told them? In a snap of a finger, we're 100 percent of the food in this state. 55 was going to Harris, the re- grocery stores, and 45 to restaurants. In a snap of a finger, it all had to be going to grocery stores. Big distribution issues. We killed millions of pigs, millions of small turkeys, millions of small chickens because things were bottled up. Number two, why wouldn't you ask the superintendent of public instruction about whether we should be shutting down schools or not? And the governor would not convene the Council of State, and finally he got so irritated with me because I said the following. If you can put 24 children on a school bus, why in the world can you not put 10 of us in a room as large as this? All right, Falwell then went on to criticize the former Health and Human Services Secretary, Mandy Cohen. In my observation, I don't know of any individual who has created more disease, more death, more illiteracy, and more poverty in this state than Mandy Cohen and how I observed her dealing with this pandemic, and that will never happen under my governorship. All right. And then next up, Jesse Thomas, former health industry CEO. He had a uh, bit of a less clear answer. I'm concerned that Raleigh is beginning to feel more like Washington, D.C. Okay. This issue ought to be addressed at the state level rather than the federal level. That's the biggest rub. Okay. I believe that states with states' rights need to make a judgment and a determination about to what extent we're going to reimpose masks and to what extent are we going to shut down our schools and to what extent are we going to shut down our economy. Okay. He then said what we need to do, we, uh, we need to do what we can to protect our state. And if we're shutting down our state because Washington says so, well, then shame on us. We need to have control of our state, states' right, the judgment of the best and brightest minds in our state to make a judgment and a determination to what extent we will remask, we will shut down our schools, we will shut down our economy. We don't need Washington dictating and telling us how to uh, make sure we are keeping our state safe and secure. And I want to make sure that we are doing what we can, obviously, uh, to take in all of the empirical data that we can and let that data help to inform the decisions that we make. So he doesn't actually say he would not issue a mask mandate, does he? No, he just says that would be our call and we would rely on the science and data, which is what Governor Cooper said he was relying on. He said he was using the recommendations from Mandy Cohen. Of course, now we find out Mandy Cohen was calling up her colleagues in various state agencies around the country and asking them, oh, did you ban restaurants? Oh, did you ban concerts? Okay, yeah, let's do that. And that's how they were deciding it. And we, 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 had, no, we had no clear sightline into how the decisions were getting made. We were only told what the decisions were. And if you questioned it, they would hit you with the, uh, uh, the religious-like incantations of science and data. So it doesn't sound like Thomas is willing to take those off the board, take masking off the board. So just, you know, not for nothing, keep it in mind. I got Mark Walker's comments as well as their closing statements. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. 
Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Um, got a message here. This is from Gary, who says, Dale Falwell and Pat McCrory paid off the debt for the unemployment debt um, with a permanent tax for a temporary problem. They expanded the breadth of the state sales tax to include services. We are still paying for their actions. Okay, that uh, Gary, I think you are conflating two different things. The, the sales tax was, yes, expanded, to cover other services, notably um, movie theater tickets and um, uh, auto repair, right? Services like that, services that had not had sales taxes attached to them, while other services did. This was part of the the sales tax structure and the whole structure that Democrats had built in their century and a half of control. They had all of these different, you know, uh, uh, carve outs to different industries. So they could avoid paying sales taxes or charging sales taxes for their services while others had to. And so what the legislature did with the sales tax was to say, we're going to bring down the income tax rates and we're going to then normalize across all industries the sales taxes. So that was a separate thing. That was part of their tax package reforms. Lower the income tax rates and keep bringing them down. And they've been bringing them down for over a decade. uh, And... Uh, that's what Jesse Thomas is talking about, going to a zero percent. That's where Bob Rucho wanted to get uh, the Mecklenburg County Republican state senator uh, who led the effort on all of this. Uh, he wanted to get us to a zero percent income tax rate, uh, particularly on the corporate side. But that was the change that occurred there. Now, to pay back the unemployment debt, they used um, an increase in employers insurance rates. They, they, they did surcharges on employers. I believe, if I remember correctly, they they increased those rates, but then brought them back down once the debt got paid. So two separate issues. If I re- and I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure that I've got that right. I appreciate the uh, the email. Uh, I've got a tweet here. It's a Pete tweet from Dave who says he agrees with the other Dave that Dale Falwell is making sense. I like Mark Robinson, but seeing as how he opted out of the debate, I'm starting to like Falwell more and more. So here's Mark Walker. Um, he was a bit clearer on the COVID pandemic question uh, than uh, Jesse Thomas was. We need to have control of our... That is not correct. Oh, I wonder if I didn't pull the... Uh, I wonder if I didn't pull this. Let's see. Josh Stein is not another... No, I apparently, I apparently did not pull the correct audio clip for, uh, for Mark Walker. Anyway, well, Mark Walker was like, that'll never happen again. I'll never do a mask mandate. So it was a minute and a half soundbite, but I summed it up in one sentence. You're welcome. Okay. On election integrity, uh, all supported voter ID. They all supported improving safeguards for the system. Uh, Thomas said he was concerned so many people sit out the primaries. More on that after the break. Walker noted how China is constantly hacking the systems. So we have to make our election systems hardened against that kind of a threat. And Dale Falwell said... 
that he supports any county that wishes to do so can count hand ballots. Sorry, can hand count ballots. Yes, four hours of sleep here. Hand count ballots. Um, If they want to do that, they should be allowed to do that, he says. And uh, they all agreed that we have to restore confidence in the system. Um, Finally, uh, I've got, let's see, this. uh, we'll we'll play Mark Walker. Oh, maybe this, no, this is Mark Walker's uh, part of his closing argument here. Josh Stein is not another Roy Cooper. He's a Gavin Newsom. You say, what's the difference? I'll tell you the difference. People like Roy Cooper and Joe Biden, they don't have a compass. They're just pushed whichever way the progressive crowd. Josh Stein is bringing a compass. It's in his DNA. He's progressive. His ideology is counterproductive to our pro-business community, to our pro-life community. This is an important issue. And when it comes to building relationships, there was no other candidate, no other Republican in the state that gets invited to go to more places where people need to hear our message of individualism, of liberty, of hope and opportunity. It's crucial that you vote for somebody, in my humble opinion, that has a track record of going to places where Republicans are not invited or where they don't go. You know why that's so important to me? You know why it's the fundamental reason that I ran, um, that I'm running for governor? Is because if we don't take the message, then who is? Dale Falwell said he's the only one who has beaten Josh Stein in the last two statewide elections. He's gotten more votes than Stein did. He got more votes than any president, too. Um, And then uh, Jesse Thomas said, uh, let's not be stupid and give this election to Josh Stein because Mark Robinson will be a loser in the general election. So there you go. You're caught up on the debate from last night. 